Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Investment News Podcast. My name is Bruce Kelly. I'm senior columnist and a reporter here at Investment News. We are talking to someone from Interactive Brokers today, uh, Steve Sanders, Executive VP of Marketing and Product Development. There's been a lot of interest, I think, as, as Steve was saying, interest in interest rates. And what does that mean for investment advisors? What does that mean for brokers? Why are firms being called on the carpet by the SEC over cash sweep accounts for advisory types of accounts? All kinds of things like that. Uh, what's going on in inter interactive brokers right now? So we're going to get into all that in a minute. Interest in interest rates is what we're, what we're thinking about today. And first, we just want to say hello to Steve Sanders from Interactive Brokers. Hey, Steve. Hi, Bruce. Thank you for uh, having me here today. Yeah, it's great. And this is one of the different type of podcasts. Usually I don't have uh, people. On. I like to have people on whom I've known and spoken with before. But you and I have never, I don't think you and I have ever met, right? No, we have not. But the next time we will have met. So uh, let's keep this going. <laughs> but your job, what you were, your public relations person was talking about when I called Cat up about you, you sounded right for the topic of interest rates and what does that mean for investment advisors right now. So that's why I wanted you to get you on the podcast. Before we get into all that, Steve, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what do you do at Interactive Brokers and just a little bit about your career? Sure. So I've been in the financial services industry for many years, uh, 15 years at, uh, at Citibank which was absolutely wonderful, doing everything from consumer banking to working on the floor, on the trading floor. And about 23 years ago, I came to Interactive Brokers. Uh, at the time, we were an options market-making firm. That's right. how we made most of our money. When I arrived here 23 years ago, we had less than 10,000 accounts, and we are now over 2.5 million accounts all around the world, so it has been absolutely great. Uh, I am basically in charge of our marketing efforts and our product development, so it's been a wonderful ride here. Right, so you would have started right around 2000. That's at correct. At Interactive Brokers, rather. It, that's correct. In fact, I was starting an options exchange, and it was right around the internet bubble, and because I didn't get all the funding for it, one of my investors was Thomas Petterfee. And, you know, at the time I was thinking of my next move. And I said, you know what? This, it sounds like his vision makes a lot of sense. So how has Interactive Brokers evolved since, since then? Well, we've always, because of our option market making business, we've always been very global. And our focus has always been on the professional uh, trader and investor, as well as institutions. And within our uh, option market making operations, we had locations around the world. So given that, our broker is still focused on active, you know, traders, invest sophisticated investors, hedge funds, advisors, brokers, proprietary traders, and our clients come from all around the world. In fact, 80% of our of our new accounts uh, now come from outside the U.S. So certainly, that's those markets have been important to us, 
And the reason for it is our universal account, which allows you to deposit multiple different currencies into the account and trade all around the world in many different countries. You can trade stock options, futures, Forex bonds, and crypto. So that allows us to be a very interesting offering to clients all around the world. Right. So you're dealing with very sophisticated uh, clients, right? You would hope. Well, we... If you're going to be dealing with those kinds of, you know, financial uh, transactions. We we are, but, you know, what also has happened is that as there's more uncertainty in the world, whether that uncertainty be financial or, or political, we find that there's an uptick in, in the country with that instability uh, for new accounts. So I think a lot of people, you know, even if they're not, you know, active traders, they say, well, I want to diversify my portfolio around the world. And Interactive Brokers is a great place to do that. Right. So just getting back to our, our topic at hand, interest rates, some of these big firms, Charles Schwab a year or two ago and Wells Fargo just within the past month, Wells Fargo said it was facing an SEC um, investigation or questions over cash sweep accounts and advisory advisory accounts in a disclosure with the in one of their filings with the SEC it was facing the company's facing an advisory account cash sweep investigation um that's for Wells Fargo yet quote unquote the SEC has undertaken an investigation regarding the cash sweep options that the company provides to investment advisory clients at account Openings. Charles Schwab last year was fined $187 million regarding these, you know, giving options to clients over cash sweep accounts. Obviously, this is these, the regulators are looking at these cash sweep accounts in the context of a rising interest rate market. Interest rates have risen significantly uh, historically uh, since the start of 2022 till now. Before we get into into that, what just fill in our listeners as to actually what is a cash what is a cash sweep and what is a cash sweep account when you're working with a brokerage? Yeah, so what a cash sweep account really is is a a mutual fund that invests in in money market products that hopefully will earn a uh, pretty good uh, interest rate. I mean some earn more than others, some are more long-term, some are more short-term, and then there's always um, the muni cash sweep funds that a lot of brokers offer. Uh, we, we are different than all the other brokers in that we don't offer cash sweep accounts, meaning that uh, when there's excess cash in the account, the excess cash gets swept into the account, and when there is a need to maybe purchase something and cash is needed in the broker account, it's swept out. We we don't do that. We just keep the cash in the broker account, and we pay interest on on that cash in the broker account. Very very high interest right now. It's at four point eight three. Uh, percent. So certainly we, we've done it very differently than, than the other brokers. And this is obviously a, a very, this is the profit center for brokerage firms. When interest rates are high, right, the spreads are better for the client and for the house on cash, right? Well, 
That is a true statement, but there's really two things going on here. Let me explain a little bit about what's happening at the same time. Right. <laughs> so certainly there's extra money to be made when right. they're managing their own funds. They take out, you know, a, a, a fee for that, a management fee for that. But to me, the bigger thing that's going on right now is how they fund these accounts. So, you know, we've always floated what we pay and um, what we charge clients when they want to take out a margin load. So in the U.S., and it's di- we, there's a different benchmark everywhere, you know, for every country. But in the U.S., we take the Fed funds and we subtract 50 basis points out of that. And that's what we charge clients, which is currently 4.83%. When they want to borrow money, we charge them um, anywhere from 50 uh, Fed funds plus 50 basis points to 150 basis points, depending on how much the client wants to uh, borrow from us. Okay, so, that seems like a simple, pretty straightforward way to understand it. That's absolutely correct. Right. So, but underlying that is how do we fund? So our funding generally follows Fed funds and it's 24 days and on average duration. And so we match up what we're paying clients with, with, you know, where we're investing the money. So, you know, it's always locked in and we don't lose any money. Certain brokers, you know, when interest rates were very low, they thought they would, um, you know, make a little extra profit. And so they invested their money in long term, longer term securities. Right. Like 10 years or so. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe even two, maybe something more like two to five years. Okay. Right. And they locked into this funding. And so they've locked themselves into funding for two to five years. Uh, they can't get out of this without, you know, paying a penalty. And so they're earning a lot less. And because of that, it kind of, you know, hinders them from offering more because if they did offer more, they would be paying out to their clients more than they're earning on the invested funds. We never played that trick. We got beat up for the, by the analysts for not playing that trick and maybe earning a little more, you know, revenue every quarter. But, you know, as I said, we're locked in, we're safe, we're good. The other- and that's what uh, happened, excuse me, that's just what happened with some of the banks uh, that had that had problems and and went out of business, right? Back in uh, that's uh, exactly right. They were they were too long on the yield curve. Same um, same story. When you play that game and try to earn a little extra revenue and you're not completely matched, there's always that risk. So it's just interesting to me as you know, kind of an observer slash participant in the securities industry as a trade journalist here. I mean, this wasn't an issue. You know, for the SEC, these cash sweep accounts, you know, for years, I can't remember before now when it was an issue. It was, it, uh, it was never an issue. Rates went to zero during, yep. the, during the credit crisis in 2008. Broker dealers used to make a lot of money uh, off of this. Right. Marketing too. And those revenue streams have kind of dried up and gone away. But then they, you know, as interest uh, rates crept back up before 2020, up to I don't know, one and a half to two and a half percent, I believe. Then COVID hit, yep. right? They crashed down to zero again. And then in the beginning of 22, they started to rise. So now the SEC is paying attention to this. And just is my characterization of the interest rate environment correct? Or do you have anything to add? Absolutely correct. When interest rates are zero, everybody's paying zero. 
In fact, some low Fed funds rate minus 50 basis points is below zero, so we weren't paying interest for a number of years. And so nobody was paying attention to this. And our big focus was trying to market, you know, our low borrowing rates because everybody else was charging like, like 12, 13, 14, 15% when we were charging, you know, and, you know, maybe, um, you know, 3% or, or even lower than uh, 3%. There, there is also something else that that's going on here. So when interest rates were low, people started, and we were one of the first to go to zero commissions, they went to zero commissions. And whereas, you know, lots of other firms are selling their order flow to make revenue off of that, it certainly doesn't make up for the commissions they were earning before. So the minute that interest rates went up and brokers saw, well, this is another profit center for them. Uh, they they were happy to take advantage of that, right? Steve, what are just as as you know, you're reading the paper, you're you're looking at, at what the SEC is doing. What are they interested in? You think here? Well, I think they're interested in, and I I would think that the regulators in the banking industry might be interested in the same thing. That if interest, you know, treasury rates and interest rates are high. Why are the brokers paying their clients uh, next to nothing? And what is your what's your what's your short or long answer to the, to that question? I think that kind of sums it up in in general, right? Well, I would say that these brokers, because of the way they funded, have are in a bit of a pickle because, um, as I said, they they have client money maybe invested at one or two percent. So how do you pay out your clients uh, 4.83% when you're own, only earning 1% to 2%? It's a real problem. I mean, they, prob- if, if the SEC does crack down, they'll probably have to bite the bullet and you know, take the loss. And you all like to you know, position yourself in the market that you're paying very competitive rates on cash, right? That's correct. Right. So what's the, what's the range? That you're seeing out there right now for you know inve- investment advisors or inve- IA reps as they call them or you know investment professionals who you're working with. What are their cash options across the board? Uh, from what from what I see, you know the sweep accounts aren't paying much of anything at any broker. Right. In fact, um, one or two brokers just announced that they were going to move away from their high-rate sweep accounts. I mean, of course, if a, if an advisor is really you know involved and understands what the account is doing, um, he can go out and invest the money in in treasuries or look for higher-yielding you know mutual funds, money market mutual funds. But that requires always constantly monitoring. It just doesn't happen automatically. And of course, the banks and the brokers are pretty much banking on people, you know, not being so diligent and maybe a little sloppy and not always investing the cash. And, but it's, you know, I mean, with interest rates being competitive again, you would think that brokers would want to have, you know, get better, get some more juice out of these client accounts as opposed to investing in REITs or, you know, annuities or whatever they were doing in order to have that that yield, right? That's, you know, a REIT and or annuity is way more expensive 
to the client than investing, uh, just holding in cash. That's correct. They would. And as I said, if if an advisor or broker brings their business to interactive brokers, they, they will automatically get that interest. We make it easy. Of course, you know, an advisor is always faced, if they want to move custodians, with the prospect of, of repapering their client accounts because yeah, they need to get new customer agreement signed and right. that's not always it's such an easy process for them so they have the choice of doing that or just you know going into every account and making sure that cash is invested each and every day in something higher yielding and just tell us a little bit about interactive brokers um ra business right now how many advisors yes. are you working with how many clients and client assets and the like so th- this is a business that, that's near and dear to my heart because when I first joined here, we didn't have an advisor custodian business, and it's one of the first projects I worked on. So certainly in the beginning, it, it was difficult because when an advisor would say, my custodian is Interactive Brokers, most people said, who is that? And we really didn't have brand recognition in that space, but that certainly has turned around over the years. You know, I can, um, I don't have the stats right here and in, in, in number of accounts or, or assets, but I can tell you that we've been in the, we've had double digit growth um, each and every year. Now, there are two types of advisors that come to us. Those maybe they were registered reps before and they want to start a new business. That's always easiest for us because there isn't that repapering process. And then there are the advisors, you know, small to medium and even large, who say, you know what, it's just worth it. You know, and we try to make that repapering process as, as simple as, us- as as possible. You know, we, we um, mass upload all the information in, in one sweep and then we just have the client sign something. But obviously when you need to go to a client and say, please sign this, it is a bit of work. And there is actually more uh, more concentration of, um, of activity in the custody business now, it seems, after, in the wake of the Schwab and TD merger. Uh, yes. The- you have new entrants, people, yeah. you know, in, in the business, firms like yours trying to expand its reach. You know, um, it's, it's just an interesting time, I think, for the custody area. That, that- you know? That's absolutely true. And the other point I'll make, something that makes us unique, uh, given that, um, you know, we, we have clients in over 200 countries and territories around the world, you know, that allows a U.S. advisor to service clients outside the U.S. if they have the proper licensing, as well as we have advisors in, in many different uh, countries around the world. So we are in a unique position in that we can really service the world in, in terms of their uh, custody needs, whereas I don't believe most of the other custodians do that. It's, it's country by country. All right, great. Steve, anything else before we go? No, that's it, Bruce. I just want to thank you for having me today, and let's do this again soon. It sounds great. Just hang in there while we wrap up, please, Steve, if you don't mind. Launching every other Monday... That was another episode of the Invest News Podcast. We want to thank our listeners, and we want to thank our guest, Steve Sanders, from Interactive Brokers. You can find podcast at investmentnews.com. 
as well as Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Please follow us on Spotify. And stay tuned. We'll be talking to you in, a, in two weeks or so.